Support for this podcast comes from Unifirst. Unifirst has a long and proud tradition of providing quality uniforms, job-fitted work clothes, and other image and safety-enhancing workwear to businesses of all sizes and types. From industrial work shirts and pants, to work jackets and coveralls, to polos and executive wear. Unifirst customers can assume as little or as much responsibility as they wish for their overall uniform program by electing to rent, lease, or buy. With the proper care and ongoing maintenance, customers can be assured their Unifirst workwear and facility service products are always in top shape. SGI members can save both with an incredible rebate and a huge discount when working with Unifirst. Log on to the SGI Hub for more information on these money-saving opportunities. Welcome to The Successful Contractor, powered by Success Group International, a show for residential contractors about residential contractors. We chronicle business journeys, share insights, and celebrate successes in this wonderful industry. I'm your host, Bob Houchin. Hello there, SGI family and other contractor friends. I'm so thankful you're here. As a reminder, all episodes of The Successful Contractor Show are available on YouTube, as well as your podcast player of choice. Uh, also, if you're a non-member interested in learning more about SGI and how we can help your business grow both on the top and bottom line, while also becoming a part of the contracting industry's largest network of successful contractors, we're having Profit Day seminars in Houston, Boise, San Antonio, Winston-Salem, Colorado Springs, and Dallas. That's all just in the first quarter. So give us a call at 866-299-8505 to attend. Uh, SGI members in those markets, if you'd like to come and share with everyone your experiences with the group, give give your coach a call. We greatly appreciate you giving your testimonial. Today's show is another SGI monthly member panel. These are interactive live programs where I interview SGI members on a particular topic. This monthly member panel featured Stacy Feller of Feller Kangaroof and Koala Cooling in Round Rock, Texas, and John Giacomi, of CM Heating in Everett, Washington. The three of us discuss strategic and explosive growth. These two business operators certainly have seen their companies take off over the last few years. Both of them are operating businesses doing more than $20 million of revenue profitably. Uh, and that's just happened over the last few years. Both were much smaller companies previously. Uh, and Stacy and John are going to share with you just how they did it. Stacy and John drop all sorts of great nuggets of information. Be sure to have that pen handy while you watch or listen. So here's my discussion with Stacy Feller and John G. Comey of, on strategic and explosive growth. I hope you enjoy. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to a monthly member panel. Uh, I'm your host, Bob Houchin. So incredibly excited to have you on for today's show. Uh, hey, as a quick reminder, um, you know, I am the host of uh, the Successful Contractor Show, which can be found on YouTube uh, and your podcast player of choice. So if you haven't checked out that show, please, please do so. We've got, I think, something over 70 episodes of that's members, interviews, these monthly member panels, which get shared about three or four weeks later. Uh, try to talk to other movers and shakers in our industry. So if you haven't uh, consumed that content, you know, please take a look. It's great for long, long car rides to the office. So uh, give that a, a look. I'll give it a listen. Um, really excited about today's show. Um, it's it's a panel. It's a, a panel discussion on uh, strategic growth, and we have uh, just two tremendous people that have experienced uh, just a massive amount of growth in their operations over the last couple of years. Uh, they're great members, super helpful. They love helping other people, and and they were. Uh, very gracious enough to come on and, and talk about this topic today. Uh, before I introduce them, one last bit of housekeeping. Um, the great things about these uh, these panels versus the other interviews I do is they're live um, and you have the ability to ask questions. So you should have a box somewhere 
um, on uh, your little uh, screen to, to type in a question. Go ahead and do those, type those questions as they pop in your head with about 10 or 15 minutes left in the hour. I will go to those, um, if there are any, and, and ask our panelists those questions. And um, yeah, try to make this as interactive as possible, as helpful as possible for you. So um, yeah, let's go ahead and get to it. Um, let's introduce our first panelist, uh, Miss Stacy Feller of Feller Kangaroo from Koala Cooling in Round Rock slash Austin, Texas. Stacy, can you flip the old camera on there for us? There she is. All right, Stacy, love that smile. Good to see you. All right, and our other panelist is Mr. John G. Comey of CM Heating in Everett, Washington. John, yeah. Oh, there we go. Now we're cooking with you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, hey guys, I can't uh, I can't thank you enough for your time. I know you both are just extraordinarily busy uh, all the time. So uh, to take an hour of your days is is really appreciated. Uh, so thanks for being here right now, Bob. So it's totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, so today's today's topic is growth, something you two have uh, experienced a little bit in the last handful of years. Uh, so I, I you know I'm, it's a little off script, but I, I think it's important you guys. Uh, Go ahead and give some context to the conversation of where you guys have come over the last few years so people know. Um, you know, Stacy, I'll, I'll start with you, even though your box says Ab Abigail Chen, so people ignore that. That's actually Stacy. We had a short IT issue, but uh, Stacy, maybe kind of share with everyone what what you guys have experienced from where the roofing business was really uh, kind of a mom and pop type operation to where it is now, and then decided, let's get an HVAC, why not? Yeah, so um, so part of the reason we got an HVAC is that, you know, with roofing, whenever you roof for somebody, once you replace the roof, yeah, there's a little bit of work that needs to be done, but it's really service, 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 replacement. Well, HVAC is a lot of the same thing. It's, it's service, 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 then you're there for the replacement. And so the models were very similar, uh, which appealed to us, and Scott being the entrepreneur, uh, you know, so we've got all of these kangaroo customers who love us. And we've done great work for and we wanted another product to offer them so that's one of the reasons that we decided to, to jump off into that area yeah. um, on the roofing side uh, we decided to grow the roofing company because um i didn't want for years it was scott was one man show and i i didn't want him on roofs forever i knew there would yeah. there was become a, come a time from an age standpoint that he couldn't get up on the roofs or he shouldn't get up on the roofs and so that's <laughs> what we wanted to turn it into a real company and um and grow at that point sure what's the growth like where are you guys going to hit at the end of this year what do you think you're going to do in each of those businesses on the roofing company um so we did uh year before last we did 8 million last year we did 12 million and this year we're going to end at 24 million we've had explosive oh, growth awesome. this year and yeah. it's uh i tell you it's a blessing and a curse sure. uh, we're going through struggles right now but uh um yeah, it, it's. I don't know that I would wish for it again, for sure. Um, <laughs> I remember but, listening uh, to you on stage at Expo. I'm sure we'll get into some of that. Uh, yeah, and on the HVAC side, we're gonna. Um, we did a million this year, uh, last year. We're gonna do uh, a million and a half this year, and we're planning to do three million next year. That's great. That's wonderful. Good stuff. Well, thank you for the, the context, Stacy. John, let's let's uh, same kind of question to you. Uh, you've been with us. Uh, I can't remember how many years it's been now, but I know I feel like every time I talk to you, uh, the numbers go up by several million dollars and by several like ten. I don't know. Uh, kind of share with everyone your your growth trajectory with CM. Yeah, uh, we joined about four and a half years ago. Um, mm -hmm. The year we started, we were about four million, and then we went to seven, to eleven, to thirteen and a half last year, and twenty this year. We're 100% residential retro, and uh, I agree the the growth is a blessing and a curse. It's uh, 
there's a there's a lot of awesome stuff that comes at it. Cer certainly hits the pride button real nice. Uh, but there's a lot of challenges that come along with it too. It's, sure, we've probably sure. grown quicker than we should have, uh, but uh, we have great people and we've, we've been able to manage it well. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, I'm I'm eager to dig into into the questions, so I'm gonna get rolling because uh, I, I always have more than we probably will ever get to. Uh, Stacy, let's go ahead and start with you. Um, how much of that early growth was kind of planned? And I know this last year was not necessarily planned. So maybe explain to people what what's transpired. Sure. So um, early, we've always planned to grow about at minimum of 10% year over year, anywhere from 10 to 14% is what we felt we would be comfortable with yeah. um, because it was it was strategic growth. I mean, we, we wanted to grow. We were putting the people in place, putting the processes in place. Um, so that's what we were doing in the early years. Um, this year, so, so we had a, a small hail storm last year, which boosted us from the eight to the two. Um, 12 million. Uh, and then this year we had a, ma a major hailstorm, uh, which boosted yeah. us from the 12 to the 24. So we we had a hailstorm that that hit about 100,000 homes uh, in our area. And uh, I mean, we're right now sitting in a backlog of about 250 homes uh, to, to roof. And so um, it, it was it was a lot of work all at one time. And so uh, wasn't planned, but uh, it fell in our lap, and we're doing our best to manage it right now. Yeah, for sure. When you when you budget when you budget for growth, uh, what do you budget in terms of for like profitability? I mean, do you do you have a target of fifteen percent, or or does it just kind of uh, depend upon? Mm -hmm. No, when I'm when I'm uh, budgeting for growth, um, I know that that's going to that 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 part of those expenses have to go in place uh, to be able to do that. And I've Scott and I have made the decision that. You know, we wanted to grow the business, so we knew we weren't going to be able to uh, take as much net home. So mm -hmm. um, this year we're going to hit uh, we're going to hit 10 mm -hmm. uh, for our net this year. But a lot of that is because of the volume. Sure. Um, but on an average year, uh, we would be anywhere from from six to eight mm -hmm. uh, that we were comfortable with. Because, again, we were we were knowing that we were, were purchasing um, uh, a lot of uh, we're purchasing vehicles, which go on our balance sheet. Yeah. But. Also, we're hiring folks. Um, you know, we have to be a little overstaffed uh, yeah. to be able to have this growth. And then we also spend a tremendous amount in our marketing and branding. Uh, yeah. We, Scott and I are both marketing folks, and we knew whenever we wanted to grow in this area, uh, the size we wanted to be, that we knew we'd have to put a lot of marketing and branding dollars behind it. So we we spend, you know, th this year for us, uh, the budget is, we're, we're probably going to spend about $950,000 on marketing mm -hmm. and uh, the budget for next year is over a million dollars in marketing. Is that now, is that mostly, I mean, obviously you're aligned, you're, you're doing traditional media, maybe explain to people what your mix is. So my mix is um, a lot of radio. Uh, radio works really well down here in this area. And so, um, so we split it into uh, three categories. If y'all have ever seen Ray Segan's marketing stuff, he, he's our brand guy. And so uh, we have air, land, and sea. So air is anything that is on the airwaves. Mm -hmm. um, that's our, all our radio and TV ads. Um, the sea is anything uh, internet-based. Uh, so we do a lot of YouTube ads, uh, Facebook ads, uh, any kind of social media we do. Um, this year we also did Hulu and Pandora. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that goes in that category. And then land is anything else. That's our billboards, our our t-shirts for the high school football games. I mean, honestly, um, our, our, our wraps on our trucks, um, yeah. that, that's a marketing, you know, our branding. Um, but our goal has been, we wanted people to say, we see you guys everywhere. 
Yeah. And we have we've done that. Um, I yeah. mean, we're anywhere you look, you see us somewhere. We're at the Dell Diamond, which is a, a baseball stadium here. When they hit a, a foul ball, it, you know, our our faces pop up on the screen. And yeah. so um, so we're split about 30, 30, 40, probably from from uh, air, land and sea. OK. All right. Yeah. Very good. And the, and, the, and the brand is is just it's very clean. It's all you know, it's all it's the same messaging. What what is the message, by the way? Is it is there like a tagline you guys? Mm-hmm. It's we hop to it. It's, it's the one that goes along with kangaroo. We hop to it. Yeah. So it's in everything we do. And Love so, uh, yeah. Very good. Very good. Well, great. Well, John, let's go ahead and talk about your, your side, your story a little bit. Um, how much is this this growth been planned for? How much did it just kind of happen because things uh, you guys were executing right or, or you know, just maybe you have a, a big winner or kind of share how things uh, took off? Well, uh, just a little bit of background. We, we joined SGI about four and a half years ago because my partner James and I were at a point where uh, running the business was not terribly pleasurable for us. It, it seemed right. like we were trying to reinvent the wheel all the time and, and struggling to find good people and struggling to be profitable. So when we joined SGI, the, there was intent just by virtue of us signing up for growth. Yeah. Uh, and uh, certain things that we adopted definitely had tangible contributions to that, um, mm-hmm. specifically some of the uh, partnerships that we made through the partnership network or through the partner network some of the uh, courses and SGI material that we adopted and, and redeployed on our end, um, the marketing strategy. Uh, but there has been some that, um, you know, we, we are incredibly fortunate to have customers who have been very generous with uh, leaving us reviews uh, mm-hmm. and, and our reputation has helped us grow. Uh, there was some, some expectation that that was going to happen, but the, the rapidity of it, it was somewhat unexpected. And yep. then, um, you know, I, I would be uh, remiss to say that COVID didn't have some effect, at least sure. these last two years. You got sure. a lot more people spending time in homes and a lot more people wanting to be comfortable in said homes. And uh, we, we just happen to be in the right industry. So, yeah, uh, I'd, I'd say the majority of it was was plain and intentional with uh, with an added little cherry on top of the yeah. And, and when and when you're budgeting for that growth, has it always been that aggressive or is that just kind of organically? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we, no, we we in the past had been uh, we, we were intending to grow by about 20 percent, which is kind okay. of like a hallmark uh, KPI sure. that you, you hear growing. Sure. Growing below that is is probably good and methodical and, and proposes your best chance of profit. Growing above that is, is somewhat difficult. Uh, but we. Uh, you know, we, we, we have really, really great people that have been able to keep the, the wheels on this train as we've ever grown. And, uh, and uh, yeah, so we, we, we currently are budgeting at about 30% growth year over year, but yeah. Uh, yeah, it's certainly been quite a bit. Yeah. And then again, the same kind of question I asked with Stacy in terms of profitability, I mean, what do you try and target? I know with growth comes a lot of investment, right? And maybe you're not as profitable as you would typically be if you kind of stayed at a certain revenue number and just honed in on, on getting operationally excellent. You don't have those massive expenditures. But what do you guys try to target? Yeah, exactly. Our story is very similar. We'll probably do somewhere between 11, 11 and 12% net. Mm-hmm. Um, our ideal target is 15%. Yeah. And, uh, and we are going to probably throttle back our growth next year to, mm-hmm. to be able to hit that. 
Um, But, you know, a lot of things have changed about our our industry. We're we're having to think of ourselves as a a different kind of company now that that COVID's happened and, and equipment is scarce. We never had the challenge of having to stockpile equipment in the past. Right. And now we we have to hoard stuff. We we've like quadrupled our real estate to just hoard materials mm-hmm. to make sure that we have stuff in the future for uh, for a rainy day. And yeah. uh, that that costs money. And then growth costs money. Bringing new talent on costs money. And it doesn't at least initially produce a immediate return for you. So there is an investment piece. Sure. You mentioned one of your um, I hate to call it a marketing initiative, but it kind of is in terms of how you utilize reviews. But it's it's unique. I know it's uh, it supports a, a cause you guys are very passionate about. So I I have to be sure to to ask you to to discuss that. Thank you for bringing that up, Bob. I had totally forgot about uh, that in in my my prep for this. One of the things that has been hugely beneficial for us from any number of uh, from any number of angles has been a partnership with Make a Make a Wish of Alaska and Washington. Um, Make-A-Wish is one of the few charities out there where if you just say the name, pretty much everybody knows what it is and pretty much everyone can get behind it. It doesn't have some of the political biases or other things that that can trip people up from wanting to get behind a charity. Like you're dealing with kids who are suffering from life-threatening conditions and, you know, who couldn't get behind that? One of the ways that we partner with them is that we make a donation of $20 for every review we get to Make-A-Wish of Alaska and Washington. We started at 10 uh, and we worked ourselves up to 20. And what this does is it provides our customers a tangible incentive to leave us a review because they feel good about it. Now that time isn't just going off into the ether. They, they recognize that their time is contributing to a great cause. Yeah. And then our uh, company benefits, obviously, because we get way, way, way more feedback. And most of it is the overwhelming majority of it is positive, which uh, mm-hmm. helps more customers find us and uh, gives us something to celebrate internally. And then, yeah. of course, the charity, um, the charity wins from from the uh, from the ambassadorship that we provide and the, the donation. It yeah. is one of the most efficient marketing things we've ever uh, it, taken taken part of. Uh, it does come with some caveats. It, Google technically doesn't want you to do that. They technically yeah. consider that paying for reviews, even though you're, it's all going to, to charity. Yeah. Uh, so you, you would have to do something at your own risk. We've never had a problem with it, and, right. uh, and it's, uh, it's been great for us. That's great. That's great. Um, same kind of question as follow-up that I asked Stacy in terms of additional marketing initiatives. How much... Uh, you know, how much of this growth has been because you've really invested in a marketing? Obviously, that was a, a, a marketing tool that's worked really well for you and, and has lots of the triple win factor to it. But what else are you guys doing in marketing to try and get your name out there to try to brand yourselves so that you can continually grow and, and, and generate additional leads now and in the future? Yeah, our, our marketing blend was was up until the beginning of this year, very similar to, to Kangaroos. We, we had about 30, 34% to TV. And then 30%-ish to um, to digital, and then the remaining balance to, to direct mail. Uh, we used uh, a partner network company called uh, Stochastic Marketing for our direct yeah. mail, and yeah. initially we had some amazing success with that. Uh, this year we have changed it uh, because we're trying to reach as broad an audience as possible for for the purposes of growth as as uh, as they have. And uh, so right now we're spending about 50% on, uh, 
on TV and 50% on, on the rest of it. So TV has been a, a big chunk of, of our, of our growth and our branding. Very good. What's your, what is your brand? Like, what do you, I've seen the commercials on Facebook a little bit, but maybe kind of share with everyone the messaging or how you're trying to position yourself in the market. Well, so most contractors we find in our market, at least are, uh, they have the same sort of bland messaging where it's like <laughs> ABC heating has been in business for 19,000 years and we have the best technicians <laughs> and we'll put in a spaceship in your backyard. And yeah. you know, like, these things that you hear the same message over and over again. Yeah. So we, we are the goofiest company that you will ever see in your life. And we want our customers to recognize that we want, we want to feel approachable for people. We want to have our customers feel like they're inviting friends over to their home. And mm. so our marketing is very tongue in cheek, very cheeky. Um, and uh, it's been very well received and it's fun yeah. to do. Frankly. Yeah. I'm intrigued because you're in Everett, you're North North Seattle there in terms of your traditional media. How does that influence how you buy? Because, you know, I know, Stacey, I'm sure, you know, your, your, your advertising has got to be getting more and more expensive as Austin blows up, but it's still a relatively small market. You know, Seattle, you guys are north, north of Seattle. It's, it's, it's a sprawling market that's densely populated. So, you know, has that affected what, what kind of, uh, you know, stations you advertise on? What, what? You know, how, how do you approach that in terms of, I'm sure it's got to be super pricey. Um, it's, uh, I mean, it's expensive, but but the, the growth is more than proportionate to what we're spending on it. So yeah. it's, it's def we view it as an investment rather than an expense. Mm -hmm. uh, as far as the uh, channels that we use, um, we, we sort of think about who our ideal customer is and what they would be watching and target it that way. Yeah. Uh, we, we only do targeted cable, local cable. We okay. don't do broadcast. Right. We've actually, you know, again, I feel I, want, I need some wood to knock on here, but like <laughs> we've had the incredible fortune of being able to like move out of territories that we don't want. Like we don't service Seattle anymore because Seattle's very difficult to work in. There's a lot of challenges that 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 city has to work with the noise ordinances, and they have these in-progress refrigerant inspections, which turns a one-day job into a three-day job. And, uh, and you, yeah, it, it, you can't make money. So we pulled out of that area and, and target our media towards people who are more than likely going to be CM heating customers. That's good. That's a good little lesson, though, for people that think if you're near a major market, I really want to dig into that. But you learn that there's additional headaches that just aren't worth the squeeze. Yeah. And, uh, and we did the same thing, um, Bob, just kind of the same. It's funny you bring that up. So we, we are North Austin, Austin's in the center. And so what we made a decision in is that we were going to own every town around Austin before okay. we ever even tried to tackle Austin. Yeah. And so we, um, every year we add a new city to uh, throw budget money, uh, marketing money to. And yeah. so, it, and we keep it in for the previous cities, but we, we strategically say, you know, this year we're going to Cedar Park Leander. And so, so I put extra budget money in there for billboards for, um, more targeted Facebook ads, all that kind of stuff. And my, my thought was get all surrounding, all the surrounding cities, which is where most of the folks live anyway, yeah. before I even start trying to tackle Austin proper, simply yeah. because it's just so massive. And right. the same thing we have, which there's, there's permit, the permitting in the city is, is just, it, it it's so, um, it's so difficult to do. It, it's not worth it at that point. Sure. Sure. Yeah, and there's tons of fish who want those markets too. Like you, right. you guys can have them. You know, like, 
That's good. No, this is good stuff. Excellent. Great conversation. All right. So, you know, we're, we're investing, you guys are investing in marketing to generate more leads. Um, I'm always guilty of, of, of not spending enough time on call centers. So I wanted to be sure to talk about it early. So those, those leads, those phone calls come in. Let's go ahead and make sure we, we you know, take advantage and, and capture as many opportunities as possible. Stacey, let's go ahead and start with you. Um, you know, what, what's some of the information that you ensure that your call center captures, maybe in addition to the age of the roof, the age of the system. Is there anything else that you found? Uh, you know, do you train your your call your call center folks to be real personable in terms of trying to find any personal information, birthdays? Do you got you know that kind of stuff that you can relay to a technician and kind of add some immediate uh, buy-in from the homeowner? Well, this is one thing that we figured out um, last year. We had a small a, a mini storm, and uh, so it bombarded our call center. And we didn't have enough folks. So um, after these things, I always sit back and look at my team and go, okay, what's the lesson that we learned? Yeah. Um, so like at our budget meeting this year, I said, okay, let's pretend it's the day after the storm. And we know everything we know now. What could we have yeah. done better? Mm. Well, one of the things we learned last year was we needed onboard uh, call takers sooner. And yeah. so we developed a, um, it, it's actually, it's a web page. And uh, it's a interactive web page so that our call center ladies all they have to do is read what's on it. And wow. so, I mean, it, it starts with in big, bold letters at the front, smile, because a customer can hear that smile through the phone. And yep. then it starts with, you know, thank you for calling Kangaroo. This is Susie. How can I make you smile? Mm -hmm. And then it goes through a whole bunch of questions about, um, you know, how did you hear about us? And then it's got a drop down box. And then it's, it's, they ask the question about, um, you know, if they say it's a replacement, they click replacement and it drops down the questions for replacements. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if it's a replacement, the, you know, the next question is, is this going to be insurance related? If they click yes, then it pops another question that says, have you contacted your insurance company? And if they say yes, they put that name in there. So all that goes in. So we, our calls actually take eight to 10 minutes to set an appointment. Wow. And so, mm -hmm. um, which means that I have to have more call takers. Yeah, uh, because it because it takes longer, but we get an enormous amount. You know, we get not just age of the roof, but we get are there any gate codes? Um, is there oh, any yeah. you know all kind of information that we get from the customer? So when our roofing advisor goes out there, he knows absolutely everything he can possibly add. But then we've also included certain statements towards the end that we want the CSRs to make consistently, and it's things like, let me explain to you how what how this process is going to work. A roofing mm -hmm. advisor is going to come out and he's going to do this, 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 and this. And then he's going to give you this and this. And I'm going to send all this to you in email so you can have this. But but we explain to them what to expect and it's consistent. And that has been a huge, huge win for us. Yeah. Um, our sales guys have said that sets them up for success every time. And then That's we great. call the customer the day before to confirm the appointment and go over okay. a couple of those things also. Okay. But the biggest yeah. thing was giving them the script and having that script give them something to say for every possible scenario that they might normally go through and we were able to onboard folks way sooner when we had our big storm this year we were able we called a temp service company and we said send us four people and and all they have to do is be able to read and type that's it that's so. great brilliant stacy brilliant i like that that's a really yeah. good nugget um, just kind of uh, as a few little follow-ups. So you call before. Is there is there a happy call of some sort as well? Did someone from the call center follow up to make sure, you know, that it was a good experience? In normal times, yes. 
<laughs> because of the flood of business that we've got, yeah. um, we don't have the capacity right now, and I, I'm sure. embarrassed to even tell you that. So what we did in exchange is we um, we put two uh, triggers in our system. One mm-hmm. after the sales guy goes out there, the customer gets a text message that says a pulse M that says, yep. "Hey, how did we do? What did you think about him?" That kind of thing. And then when the job is over, we send the same thing about how was your experience there. So, yeah. so we are checking with them. It's not that personal thing. I want to get back sure. to that as soon as we, sure. we can build that capacity. For sure. For sure. Is there any kind of like um, debrief process with your salespeople or, or repair techs? Like is it a manager contact or does, does he contact the manager before going to the next job? Or what do you guys do for that? So our sales guys call their manager um, after each job for a quick debrief. It's not anything yeah. in length. It's it's more of did did if you didn't get the job, did you what happened here, what happened there? But then also every job that they win, uh, it has to be reviewed by a sales manager. But I will tell you, we're creating a new department. I'm super excited about that. We'll start. Um, matter of fact, I was late because we were interviewing. Um, it, this department is going to start January one. So we're calling it our concierge department. Ooh. And um, what that's going to be is that's going to be a point of contact for our customers. So when a call, when a, a sales guy goes out there, whether he sells the job or not, he's going to have to call and debrief with the concierge. Hmm. She's going to get all the information and make sure it gets in the system. I don't know about y'all, but sales guys aren't the greatest at updating notes in the system. <laughs> what? They try, to, they try to keep it all up here. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's going for the and, kill. Yeah, and they're going for the kill. And so concierge is gonna they're gonna debrief with them. And then um after so many days the salesperson follows up and then after that amount of time then the concierge will start following up um, with the customer. So um so we will start debriefing in that in January and I'm super excited to see how that goes. I, I think we're gonna get way better information in our system yeah. uh, that way and uh, be able to serve our customers better. That's wonderful. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. But that's one of those things that's costing us. And so that's why oh, we're not sure. making you know, my, my net next year is I'm looking at, I'm, I'm budgeting to make a net of 8% next year, yeah. but I'm adding four more people to the, you know, that are, that are really purely expense at this point. Yeah. Yeah. But for long-term purposes, definitely. Get for, it. But for, I'm, I'm playing the long game. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. John, let's go ahead and, and talk about your call center a little bit. Um, you know, we always talk about capturing age of age of the system. Anything your your team does to try and, and really set up your your techs or your salespeople for success when they go out on those appointments? We have a we have a scripting process that's similar to to Stacy's, although the I, I'm going to have to touch base with you after this call about that software. That's actually something that I've been looking for. Uh, it, you know, like kind of like a big, I'm, I'm assuming major call centers like Comcast or something, when you call in, they've got a phone tree that works people through logic uh, systems and stuff. And uh, it's always bummed me out that we didn't have something like that available. So it sounds like you nailed it. Right now we have a, a script that sort of auto-populates in Service Titan when somebody is beginning a job that has, you know, uh, age of system, location of system, where'd you hear about us? those sorts of things. I don't think we're collecting anything special. Mm -hmm. Um, Much of the same information that uh, Stacy is, uh, Mm -hmm. but uh, we, we use that data to, uh, to, to dispatch for profits with the SGI method. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up dispatching. Sorry, Stacy, I didn't, I didn't ask you that, but in terms of who is managing dispatching, how has that position evolved as you've exploded? I mean, just adding additional dispatchers or, or, or managers more in, in responsible for for matching text to jobs or maybe talk about how that responsibility has grown and changed. 
Yeah, our, our customer service manager is the person who is managing it for the most part, and then mm -hmm. she will solicit feedback from either our sales manager or our service manager as far as mm -hmm. the capacity goes. Um, but uh, they've done a pretty good job. Frankly, the, the way that SGI set up the, the uh, different priority system, where it's P1, P2, P3, P4, uh, it paints a real clear picture for, for the, the people who are actually booking the jobs. Yeah. And so it hasn't required a lot of management. I mean, uh, mm -hmm. people know that yeah. if we're starting to book out with P1 jobs, that P4 jobs got to go. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Do you guys try to overbook each day and then that can in budget for cancellations, or is that something that you try to avoid doing? No, uh, we don't get a lot of cancellations. Um, you know, thankfully, uh, if anything, we try to underbook a little bit, knowing mm -hmm. that we're going to get a lot of high priority calls through the day. And then uh, culture, culturally is like the most important thing at our, at our company. And uh, we are very conscious of not overworking our coworkers as well. Right. We feel like the, the additional revenue that you earn could potentially come at the expense of losing a great person, which ultimately yeah. will yeah. So Sure, sure. If anything, we underbook. Okay. okay. Uh, let's talk about touch points again with the customer. Once that call is booked, do they get, as a homeowner, I'm sure they're getting a call the day, the day of, or a day before, and then what? what how, are they are they getting any kind of a personal uh, touch after that that call? They get a call the day before to confirm arrival window, and then the day of to uh, confirm um, that we're on the way. Uh, but we we also at this point aren't doing happy mm -hmm. calls. We we use PulseM as well, which has been. In, if anybody is listening to this and not on PulseM, just stop what you're doing. It's a shut up and take my money service. Do it, you'll pay me for it later. Yeah. Uh, but we we use the feedback that we get through PulseM to gauge the, the overall satisfaction of uh of uh, our jobs and our and our technicians. They've got a great dashboard that stack ranks people too. It's real nice to look at. Um and then we do spot checks. Okay. Okay, very good. Excellent. How about uh, in terms of any debriefing? Do you guys do much debriefing with your with your guys in the field? with your sales team, with the service techs after they're leaving a job before they're, they're sent on their next one, or do you just go, are they automatically dispatched? Well, uh, they are, they dispatch themselves. And, and okay. again, the, uh, the respective department heads will spot check a spot few, check. few calls okay. a day. And okay. much like Stacy on the one jobs uh, for sales, we, we uh, review every single one of them. So once it's sold, the sales manager and the consultant review it to make sure that what we sold makes sense. Um, and we get some good information that way. Support for this podcast comes from Bradford White. Bradford White is a full-line manufacturer of residential and commercial water heaters and boilers. While being manufactured and assembled in the USA by American craftspeople, Bradford White's goal is to deliver high-quality and superior products specifically built for the professional contractor. You can always count on the performance and reliability of our built-to-be-the-best products. Visit bradfordwhite.com to learn more. Welcome back to the show. I'm talking to Stacy Feller of Feller Kangaroo and Koala Cooling in Round Rock, Texas, and John Giacomi of CM Heating in Everett, Washington. Three of us are discussing strategic and explosive growth. Let's jump back into my conversation with Stacy and John. Um, let's jump to the, the, big, the big question, manpower. Is to grow like you guys have grown. You've had to hire like nonstop. So, um, but obviously it's a huge issue. Um, Stacy, how are you, what's your recruiting process today? I'm sure it's, uh, 
you know, it's an everyday thing. What maybe kind of walk us through if I if I apply for a job today, what like what what's my process? How many interviews am I going through? Where am I? Am I going on? I'm assuming going online to fill out a, you know, fill stuff out. Maybe walk us through that. So um, I have a full time HR manager, and so she is the one in charge of recruiting for all departments. So uh, a department manager will let her know what positions needed. Uh, she'll ask me if those positions are approved, if they're not already in the budget. Uh, and then she starts going out uh, mainly on Indeed is where she finds a lot of them. Okay. Um, but we also publish those to um, internal candidates, internal uh, our internal staff, because probably, I want to say 50 to 55% or 60% of our staff actually came from an inside referral. Mm. Um, um, I, I, one day we were talking about, um, it, I was share, we rolled out a program for employee bonus for referrals and I asked everybody to raise their hand if they, if they were there because somebody internally referred them here and like more than half the people raised their hands. Wow. So, um, and I knew that, but I just hadn't, I hadn't seen it. And so, yeah. um, and I'll tell you, that's uh that is a, it, it's a warm feeling for me because that tells me people like working here and they want <laughs> to bring more people on, on board. Um, so that's been a big, big, big thing is that that's one of those things that if you make it a good culture, people will start dragging their friends over and say, come work here, come work here. This is a good place to work, sure. um, you know, and treating the people well, you know, they always get a paycheck and they never have to worry about, um, you know, we offer good benefits. So, uh, but Brenda goes through and she starts um, looking for candidates. Uh, we have the paid indeed to where she can actually go and contact people. Uh, that have the skill set to see if they're interested in applying, then she will do a video a Zoom call, uh, first one to just kind of see who they are, talk to them a little bit, see if they're a better fit. If they are, uh, then the next step is to, she'll set up a, a in-person interview with herself and the hiring manager. And then mm -hmm. we not only try to pull one other manager in, into that interview also, so we get another opinion of it. And then depending on the position, um, I might do a third interview um, if it's a, a position that I, I think is critical that I want to make sure that we, we get the right person on. Yeah. Um, so it, it does take it. We've tried to shorten the time period on it because I was gonna ask you about that. Face it, we need we need people. And yeah. uh, so so I've been sitting in on a lot of those second interviews so that I can just get a, a gut feel and say, yeah, this person's somebody we want to bring on board. Mm -hmm. What yeah. what percentage of the people are completely green to the industry versus do you hire many that do have trade background and experience? Yeah, depends on the position. Um, probably more, we hire more that are green to the to the industry um, than not. Yeah. Um, field folks are the ones that I need to have, have, have some experience already. If not in specifically in roofing, in construction in general, because if you can, mm -hmm. if you've done some construction, then I can teach you the roofing side of it. Mm -hmm. um, but most of our inside folks um, are pretty green to the industry, and sure. uh, you know we look for hiring behaviors. And if you're willing to learn, we'll teach you the roofing side of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it, since roofing doesn't have any uh, certification like any other uh, industries do, uh, we do a lot of uh, on-the-job training. Yeah. So that's uh, that. That leads to another question I have to ask because you know so often I hear, boy, I've I've, I've hired experienced people before, and I just can't I just can't get over the they can't untrain themselves with what they've been they've learned for 20 years. So, but you said you hire behavior. So what? How do you maybe really look through at those people to make sure they are willing to learn and learn how you do business? I mean, is it 
just the humble, hungry, smart thing that you're looking at? Or what kind of, how, how do you look at those people a little bit, maybe clo more closely to ensure they're going to be a good fit and not go, that's not how I used to do it. Yeah. I'll tell you one of the, one of the key things that we have found um, is someone that's not willing to learn is someone who has um, very short job time periods on their resume. Mm. Uh, what we find is we dig into it. You know, you've been three months here and you've been four months here and you've been two months here. Tell me why that is. And I know that the whole thing now is, you know, we talk about millennials and they, and they move around a lot and they, you know, um, but what, what we found in our industry and the people that are looking to come to us is, well, I didn't like this part of the job. I didn't like this part of it. And I didn't, I, and part of that is, you know, you gotta, you gotta be willing to learn what we do. Mm. Um, and, and I'm very upfront and honest with that in the, in the interview is that our process works. It's different than other, other roofing companies, but you've got to buy into the process. Now, after you buy into the process and you've been working the process and you find something that you think needs to be tweaked or changed, come to me, we'll talk about it. I'm always looking to improve, right. but um, I, I kind of, they, my folks get tired of me hearing, hearing me say this, but it's, I say, it's almost kind of like if you're going to go to work for General Motors, you can't <laughs> walk into General Motors and say, Hey, you know, when I used to put, when I used to build my own cars, and I built three of them, when I yeah. used to build my cars, I put the doors in at this process. Y'all need yeah. to stop putting the doors over here, and you need to start putting the doors over here. Yeah. You can't do that here. <laughs> That's funny, you, yeah. You can't, you know, and, and so we actually shy away from hiring people that have been in the industry. Um, I've, I've hired folks that have had their own businesses, yeah. and, um, it, it just it, it just doesn't work a lot of times because we've become a machine mm -hmm. and most roofing companies are much smaller yeah. and so they're not used to the large-scale production that we have to do sure. and so um and so yeah we but I, but i found most of the time it's much better to hire somebody who's been at a job for three four or five years and they're looking to grow those people will want to learn yeah yeah, good stuff. All right, John, I'm going to throw it over to you. Um, what uh, What is your recruiting process like at CM? I mean, to have the kind of growth, steady, huge growth year in, year out, you're adding a lot of people. So um, go, go, I know you've got the online thing. The So I'll let you go take it wherever you want to take it. For sure. So I, I can't stress this initial piece enough. When you are looking to bring people aboard, you are selling your business to, to potential coworkers the same exact way that you would be selling your business to customers. Mm -hmm. So good people that, that, have, that are out there in the job market have lots of options. Good people will have multiple offers and have their choice of different places to work. And you have to stand out. So um, we have had the incredible fortune of, of having outstanding coworkers that have left us great reviews on websites like Indeed, as Stacy mentioned, which we do a lot of our recruiting on and Glassdoor, which is another website that basically exists just for people to be able to review their employers. And we've cultivated that reputation so that when people are doing their initial search, the right people who are looking for a change because of wanting to be amongst a winning team will be attracted to our, uh, our company initially. Mm -hmm. um, we then, uh, of course, we, we, we make sure that we're offering the, the best compensation that exists in, in, our, in our territory. And even more important than compensation for many people is work-life balance. 
Uh, so we've, we've made some very tangible changes to make sure that people have the very best work-life balance that exists in our industry at our company. As far as the actual recruiting process, um, many people who are listening to this have probably heard the name Brandon Jones at some point. He, uh, he is an absolute stud coworker and has uh, been the architect of our recruiting process. We were finding that because of our reputation, we were, we were overwhelmed with a number of applicants. We were getting lots and lots of applicants. And uh, we needed a way to filter out which of those applicants were best in an efficient way. Yeah. So he came up with the idea of starting to do online open houses where he can meet 20 to 30 people at a time and then sort of go over the non-negotiables of our company and the benefits of the company and get a feeling of the people that, uh, that are in this collective group. There are yeah. some people that can't work for us. There, you know, If you have tattoos on your hands or if you have a bad driving record or if you're a smoker, you, you know, we, we unfortunately have made some pretty strong positions in our culture here that, that would uh, disallow that person from working here. Yeah. And uh, from being able to sort of manage that and get all of the, the, uh, the applicants out that would otherwise waste a lot of time and effort sort of sorting through, you're left with a much better candidate pool at the end of that. True. Then uh, we use, uh, and by the way, most of the stuff we do, like I feel like we are the, the prime SGI company because all the stuff that's made it successful, we just stole from somebody else in SGI. <laughs> Uh, but uh, Gus and Jimmy at, uh, at uh, Milestone and, and Baker Brothers, respectively, were big proponents of this service called Culture Index, which we use. And uh, so once we've gone through the open house, we send them a Culture Index survey, which will tell us within a reasonable degree of um, you know, certainty if this person's personality matches the attributes needed to be successful in that job. And then once they show that they are, we will bring them in for, for an interview and potentially a second interview, depending on the uh, depending on the position. Sure. Who handles those interviews? Does Brandon do that or, or is it the manager of that department? Uh, Brandon was handling it up until recently. We have uh, we have hired and trained a dedicated recruiter who mm -hmm. is handling that at this point. And then um, for green positions, she would make the she would make the, the call basically for experienced positions or management positions. It would defer to uh, the, the, the who the person's direct report would be. Mm -hmm. Now, at that point in the process, is it mostly mostly behavioral oriented type questions, or are you going through job history? Maybe talk about what those interviews look like, especially if you've got you're getting so many people in your market coming to you. You know, again, same thing I asked. Stacy, you got to worry about uh, bad habits and, and bad mindsets. So maybe talk how you, you, you sift through that. Yeah, as, as Stacy mentioned, uh, the, looking at a person's job history can be a good indicator. We prefer not to um, seek out people who, who don't stick around at places for a long time. Like any, yeah. anybody, I'll be honest, I don't particularly like meeting new people. I kind of like having my tribe. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I want to, you know, I want, I want my big giant goofy family here, and I don't want to meet and unmeet a bunch of people. I want people who are are serial monogamists working here, <laughs> and uh, and the job history is a good way of uh, of figuring out what a person's, you know, inclined to do. Mm -hmm. That being said, we we try uh, we try to use um, behavioral based questions. 
but most of our interviews honestly end up being a conversation. A lot of hiring is guessing. Like we, we don't really know what we're actually going to get until that person starts working with us. People, especially in interviews, have this sort of social veneer that they put up because they're, yeah. they're selling themselves in the interview as well. And um, oftentimes that veneer is a lot different than what you actually get. Sure. Uh, we, we, do, we do our absolute best to screen out as much of the um, stuff that maybe wouldn't work out as possible beforehand, but we won't actually know what we're getting until the person comes aboard. And so the interview process is designed to go, can this person get along with our coworkers and can this person get along with our customers? And does he or she, within a reasonable degree, seem to know what they're talking about? Yeah. Uh, one more follow-up. And then, Stacey, I'll ask you the same question. You know, again, you're growing in, in an incredible clip. How much planning out in advance are you bringing technicians on? You're like, okay, we need to have seven technicians by, I for I don't know when your busy season starts, say March or April. So that means we got to have them on board by November. Is that what you guys kind of your your thought process is, or you just recruit nonstop, and the minute you see someone that's a home run, you bring them in and then just figure it out. Is that for me first, Bob? Yeah. Okay, so if anyone's watching, this uh, this author, Jim Collins, aside from the SGI processes, this is sort of like the core of our of our business model here. Outstanding audiobooks, by the way. If, you, if you're ever like in need of some really good listening, the guy is an impassioned speaker. It's wonderful material. Um, Jim Collins crafts his works by surveying huge volumes of companies and then distilling the habits that are uh, that are alike in the companies that are successful. And one of those habits is you find good people whenever and wherever you can. And good people will produce contributions to your company. We are always hiring for all positions and the, the right people we are confident will uh, help Okay, very good. Stacy, is that kind of the way you're looking at it? You just you're gonna keep fishing every day and the minute you get the right person, you just figure it out. Yep, absolutely. That's it. Yeah, we we've got a position right now that we weren't gonna we weren't planning on hiring until June and next year. And uh, you know, I told the my lady in HR that I would be willing to get a candidate who I think would be ideal for it, and I'd be willing to go ahead and move it forward now because I'd I'd the chances of finding that perfect candidate in June when I know I have that perfect candidate now it's not going to break the bank and it's actually probably going to make me more money. So yeah. let's just go ahead and get them on board. Yeah. Um, one, one last kind of manpower oriented question. Time always goes too fast in these things. Uh, <laughs> it's great, great content, great, great information. You know, as you are just blowing up, you, you can't, I mean, I know you, <laughs> you wear so many hats as an owner, but at some point you need to start hiring levels beneath you to, to manage people what what your middle your the middle management i hate that word but it is kind of what it is when are those people internal people that that grew in your company are they people that you know had great talents and abilities and could fill that position um how about you stacy what, what's it look like with with kangaroo and well because we grew so fast um i did not have anyone on staff that was ready for that role yeah uh, well yeah the folks that i had hired before were um they were they were the doers they were the folks that were doing but they, they weren't they didn't have that leadership skill that i needed so all my management team actually came from the outside mm -hmm. um but but when i hired them i made sure that they um were able to integrate with the team well 
Um, so, so mine were from outside, but but I had to be very careful about who I chose because I, I knew that would impact the culture and that would impact the the staff. So, um, so yeah, so that's what because we grew so fast. If I had my perfect way, everybody would be coming from internally, and I would be able to to bring them up to that next level and and coach them to that. That's my plan from here on out. Is that uh, everyone else? What I've done is I've actually so I've got my middle management. And now I've actually decided to have supervisor and lead positions under that to mm -hmm. be able to give people small steps to get to that next level um, so that we can then start imparting those leadership skills and that training to them if we feel that they've got those uh, the necessary behaviors. That's great. Great. John, John, same question to you in terms of middle management development. It's it, You guys have grown so quickly. Uh, has that been internal people? Have those been external people? Is it a combination of both that just right? skills and, and right personalities or how has that been uh, handled so same exact answer as stacy honestly yeah. the uh we we up until last year had hired most of our managers uh, externally um mm -hmm. basically out of necessity but we are finding that um it's more and more important for our leaders to to really have a firm understanding of our of our culture and our values and uh we have this year uh promoted one manager, one senior manager from within and are right on the cusp of promoting another two. Um, that's the way Disney does it. Disney is a, a business that we covet a lot. We, we, we admire that brand quite a bit yeah. and um, they have a legacy to protect and culture is very important there. And uh, we, we would like to view ourselves the same way. And it really does uh, provide great cultural value too for your coworkers to understand that they have room to grow in the company. Mm -hmm. Very good. I, I want to go to there's there's some, a number of questions. We'll we'll jump to those, and I appreciate everyone's time. Um, but I, I wanted to ask about culture, and then there's a few other questions I'll ask just to kind of wrap up. But uh, but John, because you brought it up, um, let's just boil it down to this: what one or two things did you do with the team to help ensure you you tightened your culture and you didn't lose it as you grew, right? Because it's so easy. You get busy, and you're like, I don't know what's going on. I mean, we're just growing. Is there a couple of things you can pinpoint that you did really well that made sure you brought everyone together rather than allow them to splinter apart? Yeah, um, I mean, I've got a, I've got a, a couple of answers to that. So we are we as a company are like uh, Stacy mentioned that Kangaroo is now a like a, a machine. We're not quite a machine, but that that's what we would like to be. We would like to be ultimately process dependent and not person dependent. Mm -hmm. And so when we were thinking about things that would provide tangible improvements to culture, we wanted things, we wanted structural devices within the company to be able to allow for that. So probably if you were to ask any of our coworkers what the most impactful thing they felt we were doing in the interest of culture is that all of our producers have four day work weeks and a four day mm. weekend. Oh, wow. So okay. they, have, they have a wonderful uh, work life balance. Um, which they've earned. It's a difficult job. We're happy to provide it, and it keeps people sharper. Frankly, keeps them around. Yeah. Most importantly, yeah. um, as far as uh, you know, uh, we're in Washington State. It's a very um, COVID strict state, and and so we can't like meet and gather like we oh, would like. Yeah. And uh, so we just have to be all the better with uh, making maximum impact in small amounts of time. Uh, you know, meeting with people, helping them get ready in the mornings, or communicating ad nauseum via Zoom and or text or calls and that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. Constant communication and work-life balance. Are you are you guys running Saturdays at all, or are you just staggering the four-day work? You just Monday through Friday. Oh, I think and... Our service technicians work uh, work Saturdays, but okay. they, uh, if anybody's interested, by the way, I can email this to you. Their their day off rotates during the week, and okay. it's a four-day work rotation. It works out so that every fourth week they get a four-day weekend. Okay, good good stuff. All right. Uh, Stacy, I wanted to throw the cultural question to you. I know you've really bat battled with the, this massive explosion. You guys are just working and working and working, and I, I know it, it stretched you thin, but but still, I don't think you've had a lot of people leave, so you're doing something right. How have you uh, how have you brought everyone together culturally, and and then at, with dealing with all the challenges that brings, not lost people. Yeah, um, a couple of things. One, um, I'm I'm the first one to try to let's just call it what it is. Okay, I've been the first one to stand in front of the room and say, you know, guys, this has been tough, you know, and 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 we're not where we want to be, and we we're having it, and I recognize it, and I realize we can get better, and 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 so so first thing is, is to just be humble and recognize it and go, yeah, it, it's our service hasn't been quite what we want it to be because yeah. of the onslaught of business. Um, but the next thing I think it's been been something that I've always been adamant about is I'm around here all the time. Okay, and not only that. I jump in, um, you know, the, the la last week I spent several days, um, the production, some of my production folks, their emails got way out of hand of just, you know, what's going on with this job? What's going on with this job? What's going on with this job? And so they just got fo so far behind, they couldn't, they couldn't catch up. And so I spent two days, I was off at a class and so I kind of did some multitasking, but I spent two days and I, started, and I cleared out their emails. Yeah. And so, I mean, I went through and I, I'd read the email, I go look at the job and see what's going on and make notes and got to clear that one out. And I go, you know, and, and, you know, my guy who handles repairs and gutters, he's like, oh my gosh, I so appreciate you. And I'm like, hey, we're all in this together. Yeah. This is, this is something we're all doing. And, and I, I can help do some of this. And if I can help do some of this, I'm, I'm here with you. And that's so right. they, they see work orders created by me. And I just, so I think that's been a big thing is um, I want to make sure that I don't lead from an ivory tower. Mm -hmm. um, but, I, but I lead from from where everybody's at. That's great. Good stuff. All right. I want to get to some questions and then I'll have like a wrap up question. But um, this is Stacy for you. What percentage of uh, a Koala's P&L is marketing? What percentage is Koala's market? So yeah. I actually Scott just walked in the room. So Scott, what what's your what are your 11 percent next year? It's going to be 11 this year. It was about four this year. It's going to be 11 percent next okay. year because that's what we're explaining the, the growth. Um, the, just so everybody knows, we we bought an HVAC company two and a half years ago, so we're still in the really early infancy stages, and mm -hmm. so we had to get some processes in place, get techs on board, and all of that before we could really start the growth. So we yeah. didn't invest as much in marketing then as we are going to next year. Good stuff. Uh, another question for you is they want to know the branding company you use, the brand guys. We they, use the brand guys, Ray Segan, and and he's been awesome with us and uh, been a great partner. Yeah, he's been an SGI partner for years and years and years. That kangaroo brand, kangaroo branding is so awesome. Yeah, I like oh, it. So awesome. <laughs> totally agree. Uh, let's see here. Um, so I don't know if this is for anyone specific. This window is really small. Let me just throw out the question and then we'll figure out who it's for. Do you use a marketing company for your advertising? If no, how do you decide on where to spend your marketing and get the best bang for your buck? Uh, John, you want to take a swing? Who do you use for? Uh, I know we talked about stochastic. Uh, how about your your uh, you know broadcast mediums and stuff like that? Who do you use? 
Yeah, we we actually use a few different vendors. We have a media group that handles the actual buying of TV spots and, and radio when we've explored that. They do volumes of, uh, of purchases with a number of different clients and get way better rates than we could working with those channels uh, themselves. Mm. Um, but we also have a branding company who helps us develop the actual content that airs. So we've got a okay. company called Brandtegic. They're a local company. They're freaking awesome. And then we use a, a media group called Happy Hour Media Group for the actual buying. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Okay. Very good. And so we've got an we got an internal marketing for a man, marketing manager, and his role is um, that's his background. And so his role is to go out and, and bring me stuff that says bring Scott stuff that says this I think will work, this won't work, and then we we look at it and we evaluate what we what we want what we want to use at that point. Excellent, very good. Uh, another question: This is for both. How do you use ride-alongs? Uh, to train technicians or people in general? I, I wanted to get into training, but I, I asked too many questions. So let's maybe if you guys don't mind uh, answering that in, in how to utilize ride-alongs as part of your training uh, regimen. So for, for us, so my sales manager uh, does ride-alongs with, he has a schedule and he does ride-alongs with his sales guys um, every two, they, they have 12 sales guys. And so uh, they get a ride-along every two weeks. And so um, one of the things that he does um, in, and Scott came up with this idea, instead of having a sales manager badge, he puts on a coach badge. And mm. so, um, so that, you know, at that point, he's a coach, he's there to, to help them do better That's in the cool. game. Yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, but it, it's a requirement that he does ride alongs, two ride alongs a month with every sales guy um, to help, help them get better. Sometimes we'll, we will adjust that schedule some for our newer folks that need more ride alongs. Sure. Um, but I wanted them to, one of the things I impressed upon him was that I want those to be a regular occurrence because that's, that's regular training as opposed to, because you can get, once you get out of doing it, you, it's hard to get mm, back into it. Big time, big time. John, do you, do you guys use ride-alongs much? Uh, if so, yeah, what's... Same, basically. We, we uh, top to bottom feel that mentorship is the kind of key training elements in, in our industry, especially for the technical stuff. So, I mean, uh, ride-alongs are an integral part of our training process. Most most of the real valuable training happens via, via ride-along type sure. arrangement. Very good. Uh, someone asked about finding finder fees, uh, you know, in terms of when you, uh, you know, if you have a friend join the company, uh, does that person get 500 bucks or, you know, I've, I've heard all sorts of things or it's broken up based on how many months a person's there. Do you guys do anything like that or no? Yeah, we, uh, we typically do, uh, depending on the position, anywhere between 500 and $5,000. And we usually pay the referring person half on hire and another half at 90 days. Mm -hmm. Stacy, yeah. do you? We're very similar to that. We have an amount that I think it's $500 we pay and we pay half whenever they start and then we pay half at 90 days and then we'll pay another one at one year if they stay, stay at one year. John, who we are you, just who implemented you? that last year. Okay. Um, John, who are you paying $5,000 for and can I start finding people for you? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Journeyman electricians and uh, experienced and we, we, we subscribe to the same uh, sort of cultural mentality that Stacy does. We prefer to hire green whenever possible. Yeah. But if you can find an experienced lead installer uh, who, who is committed to sticking around and fits the culture of the company, 
somebody who's experienced and, and will do it the way we, we wish to do it as well will yeah. earn off that $5,000 real fast. <laughs> yeah. And it's a yeah. couple of jobs and, and you'll, you'll make that. So. That's good. That's interesting. Uh, all right. Let me try again, read this one here. Did government apprenticeship ratio hinder your recruitment? I'm not sure. Does that make sense to anyone? I'm, I'm a little. That's going to be a job. Yeah. Um, for in certain states, uh, you can only have so many apprenticeships per journeyman. Oh, I got it. You know, okay. Uh, we in Washington state have that for election. There's no journeyman license, uh, for, for HVAC technicians. Yeah. There is one for journeyman electricians. Sure. And we, what's the delicate way to put this? <laughs> we are circumventing compliance for that rule. <laughs> Might have to edit that out before we publish it. That's all right. Uh, <laughs> no, that's all right. Okay. Uh, let's see a couple more. Uh, I, I think John, you asked the same thing to stay from Stacy that software you're using uh, to capture customer information. Was that something that you built or uh, you were it's something we built? It's, it's an HTML on our webpage. And okay. so, um, yeah, anybody that can write HTML script uh, can write it. And so we use Job Nimbus, which, but I mean, as long right. as you've got a system that's got an open API, you might be able to have them feed that into that. Okay, very good. You should, you should sell that, Stacy. <laughs> it sounds like I need to put a price tag on it. I, I, I will buy it. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. All right, last questions for me, and then I'm going to wrap it up. Thanks, guys, for hanging, hanging tough with me. Um, what, um, if you had to do it all over again, and I'll say whoever wants to jump first is fine. If you had to do it all over the last few years again, what one or two maybe hard lessons did you learn? And maybe what would you have done differently? Hmm. I've got an answer for that. Go ahead. So, so when, when we joined SGI, there were a lot of things where we're like, look, we, we obviously don't know what we're doing. Just shut up and do all the stuff. Like we're, we're just shut up and do it. Everything that they tell you, just shut up and do the stuff. Yeah. And um, so, so we did it, we did a serviceable job doing that, but there were certain things like our pricing and uh, how we thought about discounts and marketing and stuff that, yeah. that we, we, John and James, the business owners of CM Heating, we're like, we're smarter than these guys. And I remember this one uh, sales webinar that uh, I attended with Gus Antos. Gus, for anybody who doesn't know and has been living under a rock since they joined SGI, uh, is uh, one of the owners at Milestone Services, which is a hundred something million dollar company out of Texas. He, um, he was very much promoting raising price, raise price. Like if you're not making your margins, raise the price. It's the easiest thing you can do. And then make yourselves worth it. And we go, nah, what does this guy know? Well, we went down to Milestone and it turns out he knows quite a bit. So <laughs> my, my advice, if I could give myself advice like four and a half years ago, John, just shut up and do all this stuff. <laughs> okay, that's funny. All right, good stuff, John. Stacy, any, any, any thoughts on that? Um, if I could give myself advice on it, I would, um, I would probably tell you that uh, a lot of the same things that John said, you know, just shut up and do some of this stuff. Um, you know, we jumped in with both feet. So we did a yes, whole did. bunch of stuff that SGI said to do Post and it, notes. Yeah. it worked, but, but I wasn't prepared for the massive growth and how long it would take to get good people trained up. 
-hmm. And so it, my, my advice would be to um, invest in people um, faster than what you think you're going to need them because yep. it's, it's way easier to train them whenever things are low than it is in the middle of the frying pan. You know, when you throw them yeah. in the frying pan and it's just mm -hmm. jump. And then what happens is they get bad habits and then it's trying to, you're, you're trying to rehabilitate them and it's just a really, a really big problem. So, yeah. um, so that would have been my big thing. This would have been to staff up quicker. Yeah. Great stuff. Good. John and, and Stacey. Oh, go ahead, John. I, sorry. I have, I have to, I have to plug this, uh, yeah. this final three. For anybody, at least in the HVAC affinity, if you get anything out of this, I, I want you to sign up for three services. One is Learning Alliance. I think that you, the owner, need to go to the Learning Alliance Comfort Consultant course with at least one of your best salespeople. Take that process and interject, like in, inject your own, uh, like, personal value statements into it as they're relevant to your company and follow that process. That process for us has been worth the price of admission with SGI by many, many, many uh, powers of uh, multiples of power. And uh, it's made us millions and millions and millions of dollars. Sign up for Learning Alliance, go to the Comfort Consultant course. Number two, sign up for Pulse M. From a reputation standpoint, nothing has been more effective. They are super easy to work with. It's Seamless. It requires no maintenance on our part, and it's helped us uh, and our reputation out. And then, uh, if you guys are struggling with SEO, Redesign.co is an absolutely stellar partner for uh, for SEO and website um, maintenance. Uh, like they provide the clearest and most real visualization of how your website is performing that I've ever seen in in uh, web development, and uh, they've they've made us grow leaps and bounds. So I just have to give credit where credit's due. All three of those are in the partner network. Go do it right now. Very good. Awesome. Man, this was a lot of fun. Stacey, John, thank you so much for all your time and, and your effort. And this was just a blast. I could talk to you guys forever, but I know you got stuff to do. So thank you so much. And thank you for everyone for tuning in. Again, this will get uh, this will be on the, uh, the, the hub here in a day or so, I believe. And then it'll be on uh, YouTube and on the podcast player probably three to four weeks thereafter. And I look forward to seeing you all in another month uh, at our next monthly member panel. You guys have a great one, and we'll see you then. That's Stacy Feller of Feller Kangaroo and Koala Cooling in Round Rock, Texas, and John Giacomi of CM Heating in Everett, Washington, on Strategic and Explosive Girl. Thanks for joining us. If you feel like you have a great story worth sharing that would also help other contractors, email me at bhouchen at yoursgi.com. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode, if you're on YouTube, give us a like and subscribe. If you're on your favorite podcast player, leave us a five-star review and please join us for future episodes. It's my promise to you that we will continue to interview successful contractors and other influential individuals in residential contracting. This is The Successful Contractor, powered by Success Group International. Support for this podcast comes from Arzell HVAC Zoning Technology. Arzell has been producing innovative zoning systems for over 35 years. We manufacture the highest quality HVAC zoning equipment from our factory in Cleveland, Ohio. Innovation, customer service, and outstanding products backed by a lifetime warranty are why so many contractors only use Arzell zoning. We offer easy to install solutions from a basic two zone system all the way up to custom zoning applications. For more information, go to arzellzoning.com or email us at marketing 
at rzellzoning.com. The Successful Contractor Podcast is part of the Success Group International family. SGI is the largest member-owned best practices organization for independent residential services contractors. SGI provides its members a competitive edge through proven proprietary management tools and expertise, marketing programs, training, and group buying power, along with a highly active and eager to help membership. For more information about Success Group International, visit www.yoursgi.com.